You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Today, we want to start a new series called The Goodness of God. And I want to share a little bit about something that I've been contemplating regarding the goodness of God. You know, as I said earlier, Happy New Year. Everybody is excited because we are in a brand new year. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure that most people were happy to leave 2020 behind us. Why? Because 2020 didn't really live up to our expectations. Even though like the turning of the clock from uh, 1159 on December 31st to midnight uh, on January 1st of a new year doesn't really change much of anything. There are still political unrest. There is still a social unrest, a racial unrest. There is still a, a, a pandemic that we are dealing with. None of those things actually changed when the clock switched over. We feel like a new chapter begins and therefore we we get our hopes up again and our expectations up again and we were excited to leave 2020 behind because it just didn't live up to the expectations we had when 2019 clicked over into 2020 and for many of us 2020 just it wasn't a good year in general and, and hopefully, if we've reflected on this, we can recognize that 2020 taught us a few things. It taught us that life is pretty unpredictable, like no one was predicting. Well, not no one. There were some really smart people who were predicting a pandemic in our future, maybe not 2020, but in the near future. But nobody was expecting it to turn out. We didn't predict it to be the way that it was, that life can be unpredictable, that life can be tenuous or, or fragile, that in these moments we recognize that relationships may be more fragile than we expected, that that uh, people's health may be more fragile than we expected, that life is tenuous and fragile. And I bet that we all have hopes that 2021, this new year that we're in, will at the very least be a good year, if not better than any year we've had before, if not the best year that we've ever had. Most of us maybe are feeling that way, are hoping that way. We have expectations of that. We've set out, we've, we've got our resolutions or, or whatever you want to call it, our goals for 2021. And, and, and we've set those things with the expectation or hopes that it's going to be better or perhaps the best year we've ever had. And we use these sort of terms of good, better, best. We use these adjectives of good, better, best to, to describe the things that are happening in our lives. Like good is an adjective. It's a describing word. Better is a comparative adjective. It describes one to another. And best is a superlative adjective. Like this is the greatest it's ever been. And it's how we've learned. This good, better, best is how we've learned how to classify things in our life. It's sort of this sliding scale, if you will, of acceptability. What is acceptable? Well, that's good. That's acceptable. That's better. That's a little bit more than acceptable. That's the best. This is the best thing. The superlative adjective, it is the best. 
For instance, my wife and I have really gotten into ramen recently, like ramen noodle, like a ramen noodles. Um, <clears throat> when I was in Idaho with my brother, he 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 turned me on to this little uh, food truck, ramen food truck. It was really good, and so we've come back to Oregon in the last year or so looking for ramen places. And so we made a we made a new um, uh, a, a new uh, year. Uh, tradition. So a New Year's Eve tradition that we're going to get ramen every New Year's Eve. Like at least we did this last one. And we've looked around for ones. We found some that were good. And, and, and we have one in Wilsonville. It's good. It's, it's on the sliding scale of acceptability. It's good. Uh, we found one in uh, Hillsboro, I'd say, or, or Beaverton, I guess, that was better than the one here in Wilsonville. But we found one in, in Tigard, I would say, that is the best out of all of them. And it's a sliding scale of it. We might find another one that is better or the best. It's a sliding scale of acceptability we use to uh, sort of classify things. And I was thinking about this when we refer to the goodness of God, or we say things like God is Good. I was thinking about this as one year was ending and a new year was beginning. And I was thinking, though 2020 wasn't good, was God still good in 2020? And you might like be responding, well, of course he was. Because we're used to that sort of cliche, right? Where the pastor says, God is good. And the congregation responds all the time. And the pastor says, all the time. And the congregation responds, God is good. We have a sort of cliche understanding of the goodness of God. But I think we should spend a little bit of time talking about the goodness of God. Like, is God still good when life isn't good? It's okay to ask these questions. I think we're afraid too often. We think that the that the gospel, that scriptures, that God is so fragile that we can't we can't wrestle with these ideas. It's okay to ask these questions. Is God still good when life isn't good? Is God still good if, and you could fill in the blank here. For instance, is God still good if I, myself, or somebody I know is diagnosed with cancer? Is God still good if, uh, if, if I am facing death or someone I know is facing death or someone I know has died? I know 2020, many of us have experienced that very thing. Is God still good if I'm imprisoned or someone I know is imprisoned? Is God still good if... I find myself in poverty. Is God still good if I lose my job? Is God still good if I lose a friend? Is God still good if I fail or am a failure? Is God still good if I've lost some of my freedoms? Is God still good in the midst of my misfortune? Is God still good? When I am not? These are great questions to ask. I think it may be even a better question to ask above those questions is how do I know that God is good? Is it, is it my circumstances, the things that happen to me that dictate whether God is still good? 
or is it the relationships that I have with other people that indicate whether God is still good? Is it my own worthiness, my own goodness that declares to me the goodness of God? And I might find elements of God's goodness in these things, in the circumstances that I have, in the relationships that I have, in the, the, the worthiness of my own heart. I might find uh, tangible elements of God's goodness, but God's goodness does not hinge on my circumstances. God's goodness does not hinge on the relationships that I have. God's goodness does not hinge on my own worthiness. Thank God. God, that God is good, even when I am not. Thank God that God is good, even when the year was not. Thank God that God is good. So to open 2021, this first Sunday of this new year, I want us to take some time for the next couple weeks to think upon, uh, develop maybe a theology of, be captured by uh, be secure in the goodness of God. We need a greater theology of God's goodness. So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 119, verse 68. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the Psalms today. The psalmist seem to have an understanding, a depth, a working knowledge of the goodness of God. Psalm 119, verse 68, the psalmist says this, You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Now, one theologian said this. He said, the difference between how modern society uses the word good, that sort of sliding scale of acceptability, and how God uses the word good is staggering. There is a vast difference between how we use the term good in our modern society and how the scriptures refer to the word good, and in particular how they refer to the word God or the word good in regards to God. Now that word good in the Hebrew throughout the whole Old Testament in the Hebrew is the word tov, T-O-V, tov. And here's what this word sort of means. It's like the highest, most expansive and inclusive form of goodness and beauty. And it's used over 700 times in the scripture. Let me say it again. It is the highest and most expansive and inclusive form of goodness and beauty. Like for us in modern culture, it's the lowest rung on the scale of acceptability or the ladder of acceptability. It is the, the lowest denominator of that scale. We want to be good, better, best. Like that's a business idea, right? Bring me good, better, best. Good being the lowest of acceptability. They have, we've, written, we've written books. People have written books from good to great. What's he saying? We want to jump from just being good, just passing the level of acceptability to being great. But that's not how scripture uses the word good. Scripture uses this word good or tov as the highest and most expansive and inclusive form of goodness and beauty. And the psalmist in Psalm 119, it's just such a short psalm. 
It says, you are good and you do good. So first of all, God is good. God is tov. God is the highest, the most expansive and inclusive form of goodness and beauty that we could ever imagine. God is tov. The psalmist says, you are good. He's declaring that tov is God's character, that it is his nature, and that God cannot contradict his own goodness because it is who he is. You've heard people say before, you know, it is what it is. What they're saying is like, the situation is what it is. We can't change it. We can't go back and make it new. And so you could say this about God, that God is toe. He is who he is. You can't change it. It's an unchangeable fact about God that he is the highest form of goodness and beauty we could ever think of or imagine. God is Tov. And I think one of the most beautiful places to see this play out is in uh, Exodus. When Moses is interacting with God in the book of Exodus and Moses says to God, show me your glory. Let's let's turn there to Exodus uh, chapter 33. And in Exodus chapter 33 I would encourage you to go read the entire chapter, but there's sort of this discussion between Moses and between God. And in verse 18, Moses says to God, show me your glory. And God responds to Moses says this, I will make all my goodness pass before your face and I will proclaim the Lord by name before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. He goes on to say that, that Moses cannot see his face and, and live, that no one can see the face of God and live. But we jump over into chapter 34, verse 5, it says this, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the Lord by name. Verse 6, listen to this. The Lord passed by before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, keeping loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished, responding to the transgression of fathers by dealing with children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Moses says to God in verse in chapter 33, he says, Lord, show me. He pleads, Lord, show me your glory. And God responds like, I will make all of my goodness. So he says, show me your glory. And God's response is, I will make all of my tov, all of my goodness pass before your face. So God connects his glory with his goodness Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I will make all of my goodness pass before your face. And when he does that, in chapter 34, in verse 6, when he does that, God's goodness goes before Moses and God's goodness makes a declaration about himself. It says, the Lord, the Lord. God declares as he's passing by Moses, the goodness of God is moving by, declares the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love 
and faithfulness. So Exodus 34, the Lord passes before Moses and proclaims to him his own name and his own character. The Exodus 34 verse 6 is God's own self-disclosure statement. <clears throat> Many would say that Exodus 34 is the ground zero for a theology of God. A ground zero, zero for a theology of the goodness of God or the tove of God. That we find in Exodus 34 verse 6, God's own self-disclaimer. He's, he's disclosing who he is. And in disclosing who he is, we hear the very theology of God's name and God's character, his goodness and his glory. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness or loyal love and faithfulness. God is Tov. God is goodness. It's his character and his nature. If you want to know more about Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7 there, I would encourage you to go get the book. We went through it a couple of years ago now called God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. It's a great resource. I would encourage you to go pick that up and read that or reread that. But in this, we see that God's goodness is inextricably connected to his name. Why? Because his name is his character. Exodus 34, he's, he's defining himself. I am Yahweh. And what that means is that I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Oh, how good is our God. His goodness is inextricably connected to his name, to his nature, to his character. And he will not, cannot, contradict himself. The psalmist says, you are good. And then he goes on to say, and you do good. So not only is God tov, but God does tov. You do good. The psalmist declares that the tov, that tov or the goodness of God is the essence of God's actions and activity. That God is abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, that he does what he says he's going to do, that he upholds his covenants. He's graciously and lavishly saving us or has saved us, that he is and that he does good to all. The psalmist in Psalm 145 verses 8 through 9 says this, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. Do you hear it? So, Exodus 34, 6 is, and 7 is the most quoted scripture by scripture in the entire Bible. And the psalmist is intentionally recalling Exodus 34 here. And he says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. He's patient and demonstrates great loyal love. The Lord is good to all and has compassion on all he has made. God's goodness not only acts to save us, but it radically and relentlessly pursues us. It chases after us. It overtakes us. His goodness is set upon us. Not only is God tove, what God does is always Tove. It is always good. 
And this goodness of God, this tove of God is coming radically and relentlessly after you and me. Psalm 23, 6 you know the psalm. It's Psalm 23 is the, the, the famous psalm that we quote constantly. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right path for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. And listen, verse six, surely your goodness, Tove, surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. God's goodness acts to save us. And then it radically and relentlessly pursues us all the days of our life. The psalmist and David in, in chapter 23 is reflecting on the goodness of God, the things that God has done in his life. And he ends that psalm with saying, surely I am assured that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's saying, God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. God is constantly pursuing me with his goodness, with his faithfulness, with his loyal love. That every act of God towards me is good. It's important to note here that the goodness of God is not meant to be theorized, right? Some sort of just mental acknowledgement about God's goodness. This sort of cliche, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It's not intended to be this sort of theory that we, that we think about regularly. Rather, the goodness of God is meant to be experienced. God is pursuing you relentlessly with his goodness because he wants you to experience it. He wants it to be real and tangible in your life. This is why the psalmist also says in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes shelter in him. I am hoping you're hearing in these psalms how the psalmist is continually referring back to God, de de declaring his name, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, so the anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, right? He's continually looking back to that and he's saying that this goodness is pursuing and that we should find our rest in him, that we should that we should live in him, that we should shelter in this goodness of God because God is good and God does good. And these things cannot be separated. He says, taste and see. These are senses, two fifths of our experiential faculties, if you will. And listen to me, no one else can taste for you. No one else can see the Lord for you. He's saying, listen, I want you to have the experience. It is yours and yours alone to experience the goodness of God, to taste, to savor it, to see it working in your life. This tasting and seeing is an ongoing process. 
It's not, oh, taste and see, and, and then and then once you've tasted and seen it, then it's over. No, it's a it's a continual process. It's an ongoing process of discovery and enjoyment, discovery and delight of God's goodness. Taste and keep tasting. See and keep on seeing that the Lord is good. Continue to process, continue to discover, continue to delight in the goodness of God, that he is good and that he does good. And God's goodness is inextricably connected to his name and God's goodness is inextricably connected to his deeds. You cannot separate God from Tov. You cannot separate God from his goodness. But this year, I want us to take some time I said earlier, to think upon, develop a theology of, be captured by and secure in the goodness of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you do good. We ask God that you would open up our hearts and our eyes our senses, to taste and see the goodness of the Lord, to experience your goodness in real, tangible ways, that we wouldn't attach your goodness to our circumstances, that we wouldn't allow our circumstances, the situations around us to to sort of manipulate how we view your goodness, but that we would anchor our hearts the fact that you are good and everything that you do is good. Stir it in us, Lord. May it be a banner for our year of 2021, the goodness of God. May it sustain us. May we feed on your goodness and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you go, let me pray this blessing over you. This is a new one that I want to pray over you beginning this year, and it is this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.